If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Hey, Rock Thomas here. If you followed me long enough, you know that I'm the founder of M1, a mastermind group. But what does that actually mean for you? It means that there's a group of 400 high achievers out there from all over the world walking the path to success and fulfillment in their lives together, helping each other accelerate their success through knowledge and networks, ready to help you take your life and business to greater heights. I'm really proud of the success stories, and I want one of yours to be the next one. If you're serious about getting out of your own way and creating a life you're excited about, then get on a call with my team at rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and get started today. Today's guest is a brilliant guy that knows so much of the things that I would love to know, but it's not in my wheelhouse. And that's why I brought on Anik Singhal to today's podcast. Now, if you haven't heard of him, which you probably have, he is the CEO of Learn Inc. and BSS Mind. He is widely considered one of today's most successful digital publishers and marketers. His specialties include profit generating product launches, building backends and funnels, article marketing, search engine optimization, affiliate marketing, and business management consulting. Doesn't that sound sexy? All the stuff that is really important if you're going to be online in today's world, and he is the guy. He also has a podcast called The Fighting Entrepreneur. He's a really, really smart guy. He is also really, really generous when it comes to philanthropy and has some really big missions that you're going to hear about on today's show. He's a super, super relatable guy, very successful, and it's my honor to welcome Anik to today's podcast. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor and a pleasure. Yeah, well, we're super excited to have you here as well. And, you know, you've created so much in this space. I want people to be able to learn from you. And a lot of people probably know you that are listening, but some are going to be new to your experience. So tell us a little bit how you became um, not once, but twice super successful in this niche. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy, right? Um, sometimes I think about it, I'll meet people and they'll say, uh, you're like a grandfather in this space. And I'm 36 years old. So I was like, wow, you know, that's, but yeah, I, I started in the whole internet marketing space almost 17 years ago when um, really it wasn't an industry. It was just a, just a thing. It was just a dream. And so I was in college. Look, I'm Indian uh, by descent from the, you know, from India. And I don't know if you've ever been to a hospital, but uh, we, there's a lot of us are doctors. That's kind of what we do. That's what our community goes towards. That's what we consider successful. Growing up, I, I had a very simple formula for success. Okay. I knew I wanted to be very successful. I knew I wanted to be wealthy. I looked around me and looked around my community and I saw that those with the most respect and the best cars, biggest houses were doctors. So process of elimination for me was easy. I thought I'll be a doctor, but that was the only reason I wanted to be a doctor just because of the money. And, you know, I worked hard in school, got good grades, did all that fun stuff, even got a full scholarship for an amazing program that was going to be a one-way ticket to Harvard, uh, you know, med school. I was ready to go. And about 
I'm not even joking. Like a few weeks into pre-med, I go to college a few weeks in, I'm like, uh Oh, I have that uh Oh feeling. What the heck did I just do? This is not going to be the rest of my life. I'm going to hate this. And I couldn't help but keep thinking about like the little lemonade stand I had when I was in third grade or the little thing I did in high school that got me in trouble when I was trying to start a business. Those entrepreneurial vibes were always there, but they weren't nurtured because no one in my family is an entrepreneur, knew how to catch that. You know, like today I look at one of my nephews and I see it, right? I can completely see it's there and I really know how to nurture it. I know how to kind of help him along, but I didn't have that. So Took me about a year and a half. I finally uh, really was a tough moment, but I pulled the plug and I, and I just decided I'm going to switch universities, let go of my full scholarship. My parents were amazing. I loved them to death. I thought they wouldn't support it. They totally did. Wow. And I get to college because I'm going to study business. So here we go, right? Victory. Yes, I did it. I'm, I'm going to be living my dream now. I go through like two weeks of classes in business school and I'm like, I hate this too. This sucks. And this is when the fear of God is in me because I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be a college dropout living in my parents' basement. Like I'm doomed, right? I don't like anything. And that was when I really started to think through it. And I realized I just wanted to do something. I was, it wasn't what I was studying. It was just the fact alone that I was, all I was doing was studying. The idea of graduating and just getting a job and just this monotonous life wasn't for me. So problem is I have like a hundred dollars to my name that I won at a Super Bowl game because I predicted the right score. Like I wasn't really flowing in a lot of venture capital, right? So I'm not going to go buy a McDonald's or anything. So I turned to the internet, man. I went to internet, type, I went to Google and I typed in how to make money, <laughs> right? Like how many of us have done that? that? That's the beginning of my career. But Google, they doesn't auto suggest. And their first auto suggestion was online. So I remember thinking, sure, why not? I don't care where I make money, right? Now, like I have no intention of going online. I'm not technical. I don't understand. If you put a gun to my head today right now and said, build a website, I would say pull the trigger because I have no idea how to get a website up. Um, so anyways, I found this forum. I found a lot of other stuff, right? Stuffing envelopes, survey answering, all this BS, all that. I went through all of that and I didn't buy any of it, but I went through it. And then I find this forum that talks about selling information. And now being a college kid who spends thousands of dollars a year on textbooks, it made sense to me, it like innately just resonated. It was like selling content online and in PDF format. And there's so many people talking about it in this forum. So many people, I make 20 grand a month. I make 30 grand a month. I'm like, wow, gosh, if I could make three grand a month, I'd be like, you know, stoked. But would you believe 18 months of just failing, 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 failing? I mean, I worked hard. You know, people say hustle, hustle, hustle. Just so everyone knows, I was a full-time student taking extra college credit classes because I was behind, right? Because I switched business uh, from uh, med to business. I want to be, I don't want to be the Van Wilder of my generation. I wanted to graduate on time. And so I was taking extra classes. I had a part-time, which was practically a full-time job. I was an independent contractor, financial planner, because it was paying the bills, keeping some money coming. I didn't want to put all the burden on my parents. I wouldn't even get home from all of that till like 9 PM. Then I'd study till 12. Then I'd work on my business until three or four in the morning and get up again at 8 AM and go to class. So I was, I wasn't going to college parties. I wasn't hanging out with friends. I was just hustling and working hard. 18 months of that, it beats on you. I almost quit, but I had an angelic moment. Someone came in last minute right before I quit, helped me out. That was my first really, you know, birthing because I just learned the value of enjoying the journey because <laughs> 18 months was painful, but it, I learned a lot. And when it all kind of, you know, it's crazy when you're learning skills to be an entrepreneur, you're learning these independent things and they don't seem to carry as much value independently. Mm -hmm. And all you see is 
the independent results, which are failure, 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 failure. But there is a beautiful symphonic moment that can happen if you stick it out long enough where the individual things you were learning come together and all of a sudden they're like Lego pieces. They plug together and they build the eventual thing you're looking for. And that was what this individual helped me do that night when they finally helped me. All of my skills came together and all of a sudden I made $300 one night while sleeping. That was more money than I had made 18 months of actively trying combined. So that was my first time, you know, and that, that was where it started. What was the product? What did you create? What did you have an interest or you just threw something? Tell us a little bit about what that. Oh, no, that, that's the best part, man. No product, nothing. Because back then what I was really learning about was SEO and I was learning about affiliate marketing. Cause I, I what was I going to sell? I was a broke college kid sitting in his, you know, boxers in a dorm room. Um, and so it was a software on ClickBank that, you know, I'm kind of like shy to admit now it's kind of black hat. It was black hat SEO software. Like it would never work today, but back then it was getting tons of results. So, I just wrote up a review about it. I was an owner of the software. I was using it. Like I was making like 10, 20 bucks a day with AdSense and stuff. So, you know, it was working for me and I just published my results. And um, this person helped show me the proper way of building an email list and then taking that, those lists and selling them this affiliate software where I was making like $75 a sale for doing nothing. Um, So my first product where I kind of had my big meaty success was this software. Um, I did very quickly thereafter go on to have my own products and services, which is, which is where I really made a ton of money. But my first real success was as an affiliate for a different product. So now you um, tell us a little bit about the journey where, you know, you, you brought yourself up to, I think it was 10 million in sales and then you kind of uh, face planted. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about what happened there. Yeah. So, so, so basically I'm, I always say this, Today, if you were to ask me, what's my superpower as an entrepreneur? Um, I say I am, when I find something that works, I know very few people that can scale it the way that I scale things. Um, I am a systems person. I'm not quite the innovator. I'm not interested in inventing. I'd like to know what's working and I like to scale it. So when I found this thing working, right? You know, build an email list, promote an affiliate product. Then I was like, build an email list, sell my own product. Ooh, that works even better. Build an email list and sell my own service. And then, hey, how about if I build an email list and have multiple products? So I just started scaling that up to 10 million. I had offices all around the world, 96 employees, was living on top of the world. I was getting, you know, a winning awards from magazines. I was 23, 24 years old, flying first class, traveling at events and speaking wow. in Singapore. And I was living the life, right? All of a sudden, guess what happens? I'm young, so I feel like completely invincible. So start getting the golden touch complex. It's like, oh, anything I touch turns to gold. I'm making millions. My company's doing over 10 million a year. This is peanuts. This is a joke. This industry is silly. I need to play with the big boys. You know, I need to be in where Facebook is. I need to be in where Google is. So I come up with an idea on a, I was on an elliptical machine and I swear it was a superb idea. Um, And that's where the name of my company comes from. Learn, um, play on the word L-U-R-N. But um, I was going to build this, educational platform where people could submit courses and I was going to commoditize education. So like the true experts from all over the world could submit their coursework to the platform. Okay. So here's the deal. I told you earlier, I can't even put up a website. If you put a gun to my head right now, I am the least technical person you'll ever meet. And here I am trying to build and thinking about building the most technical company you can possibly imagine. So what do I do? Well, I'm Indian. I know Hindi. (laughs) I'm going to go to India. 
Like I'm going to use my greatest asset. Everyone seems to be outsourcing to India. So I'm going to go get myself a bunch of coders in India. And we're going to build this platform. How hard can it be? So I start to build and I pour lots of money, millions of dollars into wow. this operation and into my US operation, my India operation. I'm totally distracted. And so what I stopped doing is focusing on the simple system that was working, that was generating me all my money. And I start burning all that money and trying to build this big company when I don't know anything about what I'm doing and have no historical data performance, anything. Well, sure enough, things are still going okay. All right. Business is still good. I've got my team running it, got other people. I'm ignoring it, but it's doing what it's doing. 2008 happens. And I think this is really relevant advice for everyone who's listening today. Like, why is it that today, even that the economy is crashing and everything we've got going on in the world, that I'm still really thriving and actually probably going to have my best one or two months that I've ever had in the business in the next couple of months. And that is because back then I learned a big lesson. So in 2008, when the market crashed, it didn't really impact our industry until about mid-2009. That was the crazy part. Our industry did not take a hit until like later. Immediately, we were okay. And when that hit came, man, did my revenue plummet. We're talking about 60, 70% plummet. And I was a new first time CEO. So I didn't understand that when you get that kind of plummet, you better change your expenses real quick. I didn't do it. I actually kept hiring. It was again, lack of knowledge or arrogance. I don't know what it was. So now here's a man flying high and, 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 and mighty. And I start going massively in debt. And, and here's the crazy thing. 26 years old, I fell 1.7 million in debt. I was in such a bad place. My health deteriorated. I was in the hospital every few months. I was in internal bleeding. I already had pre-existing conditions. My poor parents were watching this. And I remember the night, I'll never forget. It seared into my mind. And I don't let myself forget it. And I speak about it every time I possibly can, no matter how painful it is, because I let it remind me that I never want to do this again or be in this place. My father had to write me a check where he remortgaged his home to help me cover my expenses, a home he had spent 20 years paying off. It was one of the most painful moments of my life, but I had no option at that time. And I promised myself, and I remember crying when, I, when he was doing this, and I told him that my promise to him was I would never, ever put him in that position. I'll never let that happen again. My best friend lent me his life savings, Visa, MasterCard, Amex, my bank. I owed everybody money, $1.7 million. And um, I just had a moment you know, where I got so sick, I was on a flight to, to, uh, to India, got halfway through the flight. It was in Amsterdam. Things happened. I couldn't make the flight. I started having major internal bleeding. I immediately tried to book a flight back to the U.S. The plane's about to take off. I black out. All right. I'm in such a bad place. Luckily, the passenger next to me, I'll never know who they were. Never know their name. Never be able to thank them. Caught on to it. You know, next thing I know, I'm being slapped awake. I'm on a stretcher being walked down the steps because a plane was pulled over on the tarmac. The plane was literally about two minutes from taking off. Wow. Had the plane taken off, they told me I had lost so much blood. I'd lost 60% of blood volume. I'd lost so much blood. I would have gone into shock within about an hour over the Atlantic Ocean. There's nothing they could have done. So what was, for me, what was going on? What were you doing to yourself? Yeah, so I have a condition called Crohn's disease. Okay. And Crohn's disease, for me, I have a very serious like I, I've had multiple surgeries, I have multiple areas, you know, parts removed in my intestines. Like it's pretty bad um, to begin with. And stress is not fun to it. So during this whole time, I'm just really stressing myself out, not taking good care of myself, not sleeping well, and taking my meds, distracted. So my Crohn's was just out of control. And so that was a wake up call for me. I found myself in a hospital alone in Amsterdam, not understanding the language on my deathbed wow. half. So I was like, dude, we got to fix this. I, I went into being an entrepreneur to be financially free. And here I am literally tied down to the bed with all these wires and doodads on me. I have to ask for help just to go pee. Like, this is not 
cool. We're not going to live this life. So came home, uh, went from 96 employees to six, shut everything down. And you know what? I remember when my office was closing that last night, I said, I'm not leaving this office tonight. I'm not turning the keys in until I figure out what happened. What did I do? And that was the lesson I learned. I said, man, I, I, when I sat down, I thought the very steps I was taking the whole time to make money those first six years, I wasn't doing any of it the last year and a half to two years. So I was like, time to go back to the basics. And you know what's crazy, man? I went back to the basics, 16 months, 16 months. I paid back $1.7 million in debt, got myself back up to 10 million a year um, at like 11 or 12 employees. Never looked back and I've never left the systems. I'm a systems person. And today as the market, whatever it's doing, my email list, I nurture my students. I know what to do. I know the systems. I'm smart in managing my business. You know, this is not the time for us to go off and do crazy new gutsy things. So, but yeah, that was a, I mean, I gotta tell you, I, I have some people in the world I don't like, and I, I, I don't like them a lot. And I still wouldn't wish upon them even close to what I experienced through that 2009, 2010 period. It was, it was rough. You packed a lot of learnings into that, that period of time. and You did a good rebound compared to what most people are capable of doing. And of course, I have to ask the questions, you know, what did you learn from that? But I also want to maybe see if you can weave in there some things that, because as I hear you saying this, I hear, you know, I run a mastermind group with 300 people and, and our goal is to help them become financially free. And e-commerce, what you're a master at, is a really great vehicle for a lot of people. But I think a lot of people, when they hear you talk, are going to go, yeah, well, I'm not as industrious, as smart, as clever, as systems oriented as, as a Nick is. So how can I do what he's done? And you're teaching a lot of people to do this. So could you talk a little bit about the limiting thoughts people have and how you help them overcome that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so to answer your first question, some of the lessons that I learned, one is um, we're all different and we all have our own skill sets. Uh, I have a lot of my friends who are amazing at certain types of marketing. Now, I'm a smart person. I can figure things out, but I can't seem to dial in what they're doing. They're getting results to the tunes of millions. And I just can't seem to do that. But the very same friend will look at me and say, I don't understand how you're doing email marketing. And like, how are your funnels so strong? My funnels just aren't that strong. There's a scene in the movie, Goodwill Hunting, um, that has resonated with me and stuck with me forever, in which Matt Damon's character, he can play the piano really well. And so his girlfriend says, you know, how do you do it? How do you play the piano so well? And he looks at her and he's like, you know, I forget exactly what he says, but he says, you know, do you know Beethoven? And he's, he's like, what do you see when you look at a piano? And she's like, you know, chopsticks are just like, I just see, you know, keys. And he's like, when I look at the piano, I see music. And so I just remember that resonating. Like for me, there's certain things that I do in marketing that are symphonic for me. When I look at them, they sing, they just make sense. And, and my other friends, it doesn't, but my other friends, they do things in their business that when they look at their specific core skill, they see symphony and music and I don't. And so one of the biggest lessons I learned in that time that applies to both your second question also, which is what is your particular thing? Listen, you can learn about other stuff. You can take Facebook ads courses, YouTube ads courses, copywriting courses, email marketing courses, e-com courses. And that's fine. Having general skills, you need those. It's all good. But there has to be that one thing where you're going to say, you know what? That's it. I'm going to be the master of that. I love it. I can beat anybody in this. And I will tell you, if you think, oh, I don't have any of that, that's just you getting in your own way. 
I mean, that's the truth. You have it. There is something that you are really exceptionally made to be good at. You just haven't discovered it yet. And typically I find it's in the thing you enjoy. I always ask my students, what is it you find yourself researching, reading, or studying at 1130 at night before bed? What is it that you find yourself just for fun? You're just kind of, that's what's going to help you go to sleep. And that's amazing, the answers I get. And I always say, your passion that you can be a master at, that skill that'll make you millions, is probably found in between that 11 p.m. and 12 a.m. period where you're lying in bed on your phone Googling something because it's, it's relaxing, de-stressing, detoxing for you to figure out what that is. And stop caring about what you know, Tom and Nancy are doing. It's what are you doing? For me, that was a big lesson in 2008. Uh, second big lesson really was that you know entrepreneurs innately we have shiny object syndrome we grass is always greener on the other side for us and what i discovered was that um and i i saw a uh youtube video once i swear i wish i saved it i don't know the name of the person being interviewed but this is after my catastrophe had happened and made so much sense someone says hey you know entrepreneurs they're such risk takers how do you sleep at night like how do you deal with it and the person being interviewed is this billionaire self-made billionaire entrepreneur serial entrepreneur he starts laughing he laughs at him and says, you know, that is the biggest misbelief, biggest misconception in the world. If you think I'm a risk taker, you've completely missed the boat. I am the least risk taker person you'll ever meet in your life. And I remember thinking, that's what most people think entrepreneurship is. They think it's gunslinging. They think it's, you know, wild, you know, Hail Mary passes down the field. And it actually isn't. Since 2008 happened, I am so strategic. I tell you right now, most projects I take on now, I have about a 0% chance of losing money on and typically a big chance of making a lot on. Even if I'm going to lose money, it's very tiny. I look at it like, seriously, I would rather bet in my business than on a casino every day because my probabilities now, the way I work my ideas and thoughts and strategy are so weighed in my favor. So weighed, the house is completely stacked in my favor. And, but that takes strategic side, right? That takes like systems and understanding what you're doing and repeating the process again and again, which sometimes let's face it, so boring, right? So how do I fill that boredom? Well, I look for A players. I bring in really strong A players. Now notice how I said, I didn't say build a team or find employees. I said, I look for A players, really star people that can run those systems and allow me to go off and be creative, but creative within the boundaries of my business's mission and goal. I don't go off and create, like I'm not allowed to just keep launching businesses now. And that's the biggest curse that entrepreneurs deal with. So my question to you really comes down to is, you know, what is that mission, that goal? What is it? But specifically speaking, can you fine tune a system that's working and just really triple down on it, quadruple down on it and pull it and scale it and focus on it, right? I want to answer your limiting belief question a little bit. A lot of people's limiting beliefs are, are built off of what they're seeing other people do. And so I remember being on an interview with one of uh, a group of my students. These are top students who've paid us the most. They're in our workshops, masterminds. One of the initiatives we had put forth in our company inside of this Facebook group where we catered to this small group of students was every week we wanted to publish success stories. We said, we want to take the students in the group. We want to outline their success stories and post it in the group publicly. And we thought this is going to be really inspiring for all of those who are maybe struggling or not doing everything because they'll see their, their peers and their colleagues succeeding and it'll be awesome, right? Makes so sense. we start to do this. And about a month later, as part of my regular process in business, I did a focus group. Got about five or six of these students in that group on a call. And I said, we're asking through a bunch of questions. You'll never believe this was crazy. What I discovered was that 
us doing that weekly post was one of the most demoralizing things for our students. They actually came back and said that it was making them depressed. I was just baffled. I thought, what? And they're like, yeah. I said, how in the world? Why is this? Why is this depressing you? They said, because we feel even worse now seeing that others can do it and we can't. <clears throat> and I just thought, wait, 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 wait. This is supposed to show you that you can do it. And then they said, yeah, but so-and-so started three months after me. And they've already had so much success. I've been trying this for longer than them and I can't seem to have any success. So that changed how we did the interviews with our success story students. Wow. So instead of just posting their results, we started asking them, what are you doing? What level of work are you putting in? What failures did you have? How did you address them? What would you tell to the students who are struggling? And all of a sudden the impact that we got from those reviews and those studies was so much better for the community. So you might be surprised if you look deep inside of yourself, if you have limiting beliefs, what you don't realize is it's because you are comparing yourself to other people around you and you don't know what they've been through. This is one of the things they say about social media, right? If you've actually ever watched an Instagram model get their one picture, it can take them hours, mm -hmm. hours and hours of photography, lighting, moving. You see one picture of the most beautiful complexion and body. And it took them three plus hours to get that one picture. What you don't know is that three hours. So you sit here and say, oh my God, my picture stink but you didn't put in three hours to take the picture. So if we knew the whole story, we would be better prepared. So one of the things about your limiting beliefs is you're trying to copy Tom and Nancy. You're trying to do what other people are doing. And you know what? That's just not your, that's not your skill set. Um, and sorry, like you're not great at everything. You're going to be great at a few things. You need to figure out what those few things are. And you're going to see how much your self-confidence just goes through the roof. Number two is you know, you're looking at the success of others and you feel that there's an elevator somewhere that you're supposed to click a button on and you haven't found the elevator yet, or you think there's an escalator, but you're not seeing is that it's a stairwell. It's windy with missing steps. And it's like, a, it's like the game of snake where sometimes you fall down the slide and you're back to square one and everyone you're seeing have all been through the exact same process. And as you're going through the process, you think you're behind, but you're actually in the perfect place. And that's giving you these limiting beliefs. And third, last but not least, by any means is just remember how we're brought up. We're constantly told what to do, when to do, what we can do and what we cannot do. From the time that we are children, all the way through school, through work, through everything, other people's validation of us dictates our success. The only time you're truly an entrepreneur is when you're a child. You ever see how you tell a kid not to do something and it's the very thing they want to do? because they want to experience it for themselves. They want to see what is it, right? Now, if a kid sticks his finger in the, in the uh, you know, light socket, gets shocked, trust me, they ain't gonna do it again. They won't do that again, but they'll do other things that you're telling them not to do. Think about that, you go to school, then all of a sudden in school, your teacher's like, don't do that, yes, do this, don't do that, do this, do that. Your parents, don't do that, do this. Your coach, do that, do this. Then you get to school, you know, you have to go to college. They get a good grade on SATs, better have a good GPA. You're constantly validating yourself by other people's perception and these score results. Then you go to college and you have to work really hard and build the best rap sheet to get a job. Then you get a job and you have to impress the heck out of your boss to get a promotion. So you haven't yet had a chance to learn how to develop your own skills and validate yourself. Your, your confidence is low. Your paradigms are there because this is how you were brought up. You were trained to be an employee and it's just the way society is. You can untrain yourself now. First step, right? What is the first step in Alcoholics Anonymous? It's awareness and acceptance. So 
just accept what you've been going through, be aware of it and intently change it. Wow, that's a lot of great stuff there. And I love the way you string it together. You've obviously been able to work with a lot of people. You've had your own level of awareness for yourself past all of that. So really, really beautiful. So where did you get your wisdom from? Who are some of your mentors or books or things that you tapped into? Now, you know, you've become the teacher, but where did you draw from yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. I've had a lot of mentors in my life. Um, and I always say that mentors are seasonal. Um, I think the misconception about mentorship out there is that you pick one mentor and they mentor you for your whole life. That could happen and maybe it will, but I haven't had that. I have one mentor who mentors me my whole life and that's my father. Uh, my first and foremost, best, amazing, most incredible mentor. I can do as much as I want in my life and I'm never gonna come even, a, even 5% close to the success he's had. My dad growing up um, grew up in a village, a poor village in India and they had no electricity. To study at night, he'd have to walk a mile down the street and study under a lamppost um, or candles at home, but they didn't have a lot of money, so they didn't wanna burn a lot of candles. So this is the level of work this man put in, and today, he brought our family to the US. He's a nuclear mechanical engineer, has a master's in nuclear engineering. He is the head through the government, he represents the government at two nuclear power plants. You know. And he's given me the life of my dreams. He's, there was never anything I as a kid didn't have. I mean, I had the luxuries also. I had the toys. I had the, you know, I, you know, I did everything. You know, I had a car when I turned 16. I mean, so I always say, whatever that man knows, whatever he's done, he knows something. I listened to him. My dad has taught me one thing, and that is number two is never good enough. And it could be rough sometimes. You know, he wasn't always the easiest dad. I mean, he was rough on me. Listen, I was studying for the SATs when I was in the sixth grade. I took my first SAT in the seventh grade. I outscored my sister at that time who was in the 11th grade. So the man was like a drill sergeant. He had me going, but today he's a rock upon which I lean. Um, so that's one mentor that's been with me my whole life and that'll remain with me. But you know, when I wanted to learn copywriting, I had a copywriting mentor. When I wanted to learn how to do media buying, I had a media buying mentor. When I wanted to learn how to build my first business, like the infrastructure, like how do I be a CEO? Who do I hire? I had a mentor during that time. I can also very, very proudly say I've outgrown all of them. And when I outgrow them, I move on, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm still friends with them. I keep in touch, but they're not actively my mentors anymore. Mm -hmm. So from a book perspective, um, Think and Grow Rich had a massive impact on me at a very young age uh, when I was reading it, kind of late high school, early college. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad changed my life. It's, so, it's the first book I ever read. And the funny story of why I read the book, I was in high school. I actually skipped class to go to a bookstore. Don't ask. Um, I went to a bookstore. I had had a big fight with my dad the night before. And so the title, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, caught my attention because I was like angry at my father. And so I read it. It's so crazy to think that today I'm actually business partners with Robert Kiyosaki. He's the author of the first book that I ever read that changed my life. And I talked to him. He's on my cell phone. I can call him right now and he'd pick up. It's, it's just like perplexing to me. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Think and Grow Rich, uh, a book called Scaling Up, which has been really relevant to me in recent times because it's all about how to scale up a business. Um, those are probably three books that come to mind, but there's a lot of books out there. I mean, um, when it comes to my health, there's a book called Wheat Belly that really changed my perception about, you know, and has helped me a lot and, and heal a lot. So um, I'm an avid reader. Uh, it's probably about at least 30 books a year. Um, so, you know, I've been a little bit off that goal the last year plus because I've been really busy with the business. But yeah, so I, pick, I, I tend to take away a little bit of something from every book I read. 
There's a bunch of scale up books. Which one? Who wrote that one? Scale up. Scaling up is written by Vern Harnish. Okay. So Vern Harnish, uh, it's a book called Scaling Up. And um, this is really, this book, I mean, this is it's how to run your company like a military. I mean, it's a lot of habits that you have to set up. It's not easy to follow, and, uh, but it makes a true impact on your company. Like when you read it, you'll be like, ah, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. That sounds boring. That sounds stupid. That just sounds like ridiculous. It all works. You can complain and you can complain and ignore it as much as you want. It works. He's got quite the like cult following, like in a good way, like it's, you know, people that are trying to really build their business. I'd say if you have a company doing two or 3 million a year, um, this book starts to become highly applicable to you. Makes sense. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about if people want to um, get in touch with you, follow you, you've got, uh, you've got your podcast, you've got books, you've got products. Uh, what's the best way that people can, um, can tap into your wisdom? Yeah, thank you. Well, so first and foremost, I'd love to invite everyone to my podcast. I do a podcast every week um, called The Fighting Entrepreneur. It's a lot of fun. Um, I bring on some amazing guests. My podcast is very, it's very different in the sense of it's very tactical. So we go over a lot of marketing strategies, business strategies, and it's designed and built specifically so you can actually watch it and go take action. Like there's, you can actually do the stuff we talk about. Um, it's so that's just more because that's what I like. It's because I use my podcast to learn. I'm very selfish about my podcast. So you get to be a fly <laughs> on the wall as I'm learning how to do things and learning new skills. It's a lot of fun, different kind of podcast. You can also check out my website, just more about me and what I do on Singal, A-N-I-K-S-I-N-G-A-L.com. But I'll tell you the number one place to go if you want to really connect in with what we're doing. Go to learn.com, L-U-R-N.com. You can sign up for an absolutely free membership. And we've got over 100 courses in there. We've published some of the best authors in there. Many of our courses are free. Some are $7. And you know, then there are some academies that are much more. But you have pretty much every major marketing and internet business skill you need being covered in that platform. Lots of new features and things coming out soon. Community features coming out. So there's, you know, three amazing resources right there for people if they want to connect with me, um, but definitely invite you to my podcast for sure. You'll love it. It's a lot of amazing knowledge there. That's awesome. Thank you. So what is, tell us a little bit about your, your vision going forward. You've got obviously created a lot of momentum in your life. You've got a lot of people that you're working with. Um, what is the mission behind all of it? Oh man, I love that. Thank you for the question. So one of the things that we didn't even talk about on this podcast is that my wife and I have our foundation. So we have a Singal foundation um, that people can see at S-I-N-G-A-L.org. That's my, true, that's my schools, true love. Right? Yeah, we, we do a lot of work actually. So right now during this entire time with coronavirus, and we've actually released a, a relief fund, we've given away $53,000 already to families that need just money for groceries and gas and just something, emergency bills. Uh, we'll probably be at about $100,000 within the next three to four weeks given out from that fund. Uh, we also help build schools for children in India. We have 900 children who live in the slums, like literally live in mud, but they go to first class facilities and schools. We're building a hospital right now in a village where people are dying every day because the closest hospital is an hour and a half away. We're building a five-story hospital, first class facility there. Um, we work with an orphanage in Nepal. So we do a lot of work. Um, you can check out my TED talk about my beliefs about how I do giving because I don't believe in giving. We only do empowering. So it's a little bit of a different perception. So I, like I have two goals in my life and they're both represented by two organizations I've already set up, which I'm very blessed at the age of 36 to have that. Uh, number one is my, what I call my for-profit goal, which is represented by learn. So if you go to learn.com, L-U-R-N.com, you can be a part of that mission. 
I'm going to help raise up a million entrepreneurs, empower a million entrepreneurs worldwide, because here's the thing. The day I die, I want to know that I fundamentally changed the world. I actually want to know. I'm selfish like that. I want to know that my work helped change the axis upon which the world rotates. However, I don't care if the world knows it. I want to know it, but I don't care if the world knows it. So it's a big task to do that. Doing it alone, let's face it, maybe I'm not that smart. I'm not a Steve Jobs, you know, I'm not going to invent the next iPhone. So I thought, let's do it through use of volume. Let me build an army. I'll build an army of entrepreneurs. And I'll tell you one thing, you get a million entrepreneurs out there doing something, the world's going to change. There's just no way the world wouldn't change. It'll be different. So that was my mission. So that's why I built the platform with Learn. We have two more years of amazing development to do on it. We already have 370,000 members in there. We will be at 10 million members probably within the next two, two and a half years, five, 10 million members. Certain I'm going to be able to take a million of them and really help them and support them. My nonprofit mission and goal is with the Singal Foundation. So singal.org, you can see our investing and our giving strategy. We want to empower a million children who are currently living in the slums or currently very impoverished, who society has turned their backs to. So these million children are currently in a cycle that will repeat. And I want to give them money. I want to empower them to break the cycle. So I want these million children to go to school, become entrepreneurs, whatever it is. But when they grow up and they have kids, they will have moved out of the extreme poverty definition of the World Bank by themselves. They'll be making enough money to be in the next class. And so that's our vision there. Whatever we have to do it through, whether we do it through medical supplies, whether we do it through schools, which we fund, or we also work in Africa, we adopt villages and micro fund businesses and build micro economies for villages in Africa. So we have all these different programs going out and it's, it's amazing because we, right now our numbers at, we think we're about a 3,500 people impacted. So tons more to go. We got to hit a million, but we're still getting our systems down right now. So you have a great father you've obviously been instilled with some great values at the tender young age in your mid thirties, you're living in many ways. It would appear from the outside, a very balanced, fulfilling life. How, how, what contributed to that? Because a lot of people struggle and you did, you kind of chased the dollar initially, et cetera, but now you seem to have kind of figured some stuff out. Would you credit, you know, both your parents, your dad, uh, mentors, what was, what was, enabled you to have that insight to create this? Yeah, that, that's interesting. It's a question that I've never been asked before. So it's a good question. Um, 100% of my parents would be a huge part of it. Um, you know, I know I speak a lot about my dad, but my mom is awesome. My mom is, I always say my mom's like our protector, right? <clears throat> so, you know, she's the one we'd hide behind um, if something's going on. Um, and so she's, she's just heart. My mom is all heart. I mean, she's, you learn to be a good person. You learn to be a gentle person when you're around my mom with my dad, you learn, you know, you learn habits and you learn discipline and you learn, you know, consistency. And, uh, I think for me, it's a combination of a lot of things. It's definitely the people in my life that have carved who I am. So 10 years ago, now, almost 11 years ago, I met my now wife, um, you know, because I had an office in India and she started working for us. And let me just say, this woman has challenged me at every level of my being and in a good way. Uh, she's very different than me. She's very spiritual. She's incredibly centered, uh, Bible following, and she just has a heart that I've never found in another person. And so she's really centered me. I mean, brought me to help me come to a place where I realized the true things that matter in life. So, and what's crazy, this is the craziest thing is you can actually look at my success and track it, track it. And here's like the day, the point on the chart where I got married, 
and my my wealth just goes like through the roof. I mean, and that's not that's not coincidental, right? Like I realigned the types of things I'm doing and her influence. Uh, my mentors have been a big part of it. I can tell you, every mentor I've ever had has been the kind that's had a big heart that gives back a lot. Um, I don't think I'll resonate with someone who doesn't. Um, so I would say my parents, uh, my wife, my mentors, and just generally speaking, um, I've reached a point, man, where I ask myself, I'm a logical person. So for me, two plus two is four. Like you got to talk in data and numbers. Here's the thing. <clears throat> Should I, well, do I want to make more money? Sure. I do. I feel like money is like a tool that measures the, it's like an outcome tool, right? So like the more you have it, you feel like you've gone in the right direction. But if tomorrow morning I woke up and you infused another 50 million, 100 million, 200 million into my bank account, there is, and I've done this exercise with myself multiple times, there is nothing different than I would be doing. Nothing. I live in my dream home, drive my dream cars, live my dream life, love my company, love my employees, love my team, love my family. I fly first class. Like, I don't know what else I would do. So why make my life about the money? when it would bring zero value to my life. But what I do love waking up to is I wake up, I woke up this morning and I had a bunch of stories from students in India that are sending videos to their teachers because they miss going to school. They want to go to school. They're really upset that they're stuck at home. And like, I just had these videos sent to me and like, that was the first thing I woke up to, you know, like that, that's awesome. I want to wake up to that, but waking up to the fact that, Hey, you guys, there's another million dollars in your bank account. It's like, all right, cool. Thanks. You know, so I think that's helped the, the, just being logical about it has really helped center me and just, you know, realigned the things I focus on. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. So uh, there's two things I want to do as we wrap this up. One, I want to get to your identity. This is the I Am Movement podcast and you've written out here uh, who you are. And I want to talk to that. And just before that, I want to ask, do you use the platform of YouTube to connect with your students and to build out your business? I do. Um, started using it more and more. I'm still trying to fine tune exactly how to use it, but I'm definitely active on YouTube. Minimum one video per week, sometimes two. Um, and it's growing. I mean, I think last I checked was 60,000 plus subscribers. So yeah, we definitely use it. Okay. You make th things seem so simple. I love it. Um, all right. You've got, I am a dreamer. I am a fighter. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a speaker. I'm a teacher. Um, you know, in life, sometimes we get these labels that are given to us that are disempowering, like you're stupid, you'll never amount to much, you're shy, etc. These are all empowering. And you talk about your charities being, you want to empower people. You don't want to just give, you want to empower. So I see the consistency with your, with your identity. Um, were these conscious choices or this something that you grew into? I'd like you to speak to that a little bit. That's a, you know, it's, I'm, I'm really impressed that you caught that. Um, I did not even know that this was who I am or what I am until my most recent mentor, uh, Jean-Pierre, who um, retired. So we talk a lot less now, um, but we still talk sometimes. And he's a big believer. He was the one that introduced me to scaling up and to Rockefeller habits and all of that. And he's a big believer in doing an exercise called your success map. And it really helps you. I mean, it's a deep exercise where in one page, you kind of put who you are. And it makes you figure out your goals. It makes you figure out your core values, your mission, and all of this. Best thing I've ever done. It's like three years ago that we did this. And um, as we're doing this exercise, uh, I think the, the breaking point for me was, or when, when he figured it out, is when I got a chance to do a TEDx talk. And, you know, I'm, I'm debating again and again, like, what am I going to do about my talk? What am I going to do with my talk? And 
finally one day he's like, Hey, did you decide? I said, yeah, that's it. You know, I'm, I, I know what I'm going to talk about. He said, what are you going to talk about? I said, uh, my TED, my talk, my TEDx talk is called dreams of the bottom billion. And I'm going to talk about how giving sucks and how everyone should stop giving money to the, to the poor. It, do, donating money is useless. And of course my mentor is like, uh, care to go a little deeper into that. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I said, you know, and so I give him my whole spiel. And if anyone wants to listen to my TEDx talk, I think you'll see, uh, just type Onyx and all TEDx on YouTube. And, and what I talk about in this, so I, I outline my talk and I, and I share it with him and he just starts laughing because this is what I built in my talk. I, my whole point is look, as private world, as private investors, not nonprofit, we demand a return on our investment. We track our investments like a hawk, right? How many times, especially right now in today's day and age, are we checking our stock market, you know, checking our, like, oh, what's my money doing? Oh, my money's down, my money's up. Well, we never do this with nonprofit money. We just give and say, all right, yeah, bye. No, like I demand a return on my money. Like not back to me, but I want to know that if I gave $40,000, what's going on? What was the return? What had happened? And I hate the idea of funding something. And then only the next year, the nonprofit shows up again and says, Hey, um, you know, that school we built for you, we're gonna have to shut it down unless you give us another 40 grand. And it's like, that sucks. That is not a, you're not building an economy. You're not building, you're just building liability at that point. Like no business would run that way. No business would allow that to be something that runs. So I talk about, so, so I built what I call the triangle of empowerment. Like that was part of my presentation. Right. And so when I'm sharing this with my mentor um, and quite frankly, I don't even remember what's in the triangle of empowerment. It was like, it's in my presentation, but it's, it's, you know, it's something that came up with, but he starts laughing when I said triangle of empowerment and he really laughed loud. And I'm like, what are you laughing about? He goes, Oh my God, I've been right about you. He had just started working with me about four or five months. And he's like, man, you are just all about empowerment, aren't you? And I said, what do you mean? He's like, you literally don't want to do things for people. You just want to facilitate and empower people. You are all about take ownership, do it yourself. I'm here to support you. You're the, you're the dude who roots for, you're the guy who roots for the underdog. You know, you're the guy that's, but they have to earn it. You're hardcore about that. You got to earn it yourself. Like, I'm not going to do it for you. So I was like, yeah, I really am that way. That's how I coach people. It's how I teach people. It's what I believe. I mean, you should listen to me like, you know, sitting with my nephew. He's seven years old and I'm teaching him about taxes and I'm teaching him about investing and I'm teaching him about ownership. And you know, I want to buy a video game. Good. Go earn it. You know, I, I didn't realize where that comes from. I truly don't. At some point in my life, I figured it out that if I rely on myself and empower myself, I can do everything, anything. Um, but I think the other thing that helps me do that is that I fail a lot too. See, the problem with empowering empowerment is that you accept that your results are an outcome of your actions and your responsibility. That's great when things are going well. It sucks when things are going bad. So I've learned to accept that I'm okay with it when things are going bad. Like if I failed, all the power to me. I will own it, love it, learn from it. Um, but a lot of people can't. A lot of people take it really badly. And so they, they fall back on leaning on others. Me, no. Nah. I want to, I want to focus on myself and do it myself and, you know, no one better than me to do something that really in the end, I feel. I like you. <laughs> Not that that matters to you, but you're a good, good human. And you've got a really good perspective on life. I, I've met a lot of really brilliant people in the world, including Robert Kiyosaki that I shared the stage with. And there's a lot of really, really smart, good people 
but you've figured a lot out and you've got it well-rounded and I want to congratulate your parents and your wife for having contributed to, you know, who you are, who you've become and what you're creating. Honestly, if we had more people on the planet like you, then um, we would ride through pandemics like this uh, without, you know, the, the trauma that's being created to the same degree. So I really appreciate you. Thank you for, for those people that got a chance to listen to this. You might want to go back and re-listen to it and uh, follow this brilliant young man. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. And as I always say to everyone, as I end the presentations is, listen, when life pushes you, stand straight, smile and push it the heck back. Thanks for having me. Everyone go out there, stay safe and, uh, you know, go fight for your dreams. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to be Rock's private VIP mastermind guest. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.